It's March the 7th, and I tell you, I am uh, excited. Uh, I'm hoping we're rounding the corner uh, whenever the, you know, whenever Groundhog Day comes around, I'll say, I don't care if there's a shadow or no shadow. I'm ready for spring. The time is getting ready to change. We're going to have some longer days and uh, hopefully more sunshine in the future. And I'm excited. I'm seeing trees budding. I'm seeing flowers. Uh, We have daffodils blooming all across the front yard this morning. And it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's a sign of new life. It's a sign of growth. It's a sign, uh, and I, I was, uh, I have a, we have a sign hanging in our kitchen uh, that we put up every spring, and it says, to plant a garden is to believe in, believe in a brighter future. And, and we're believing for God to do great things. We're more, beginning a brand new series this morning and called it, entitled Next Steps. And as we think about, you know, the last year, in fact, Uh, Next Sunday will be 52 weeks since the world stood upside down on its head. I mean, it's it's hard to even remember that far back because the year has been so crazy. In fact, uh, last year on our 34th uh, birthday celebration was the last time that we gathered publicly in worship uh, for several we a couple two or three months uh, we were not meeting in person and uh, uh, literally I remember uh, you know that week uh, going we're gonna have to make some adjustments and cleaning schedules and making sure all the surfaces and we had all I mean our staff was working killing it trying to get everything and then all of a sudden it was about Thursday of that week I will never forget it uh, all of a sudden, we're like, I don't think anything's happening in person this week. And anybody else remember? It's kind of like, you know, what where you were when the spatial exploded, you know, certain uh, milestones. And I'll never forget that day in the office. It was so tense because we're like, what are we going to do? I mean, how exactly is this supposed to look? And, uh, and then, you know, within a couple weeks, they're like, 14 days, we're going to flatten this curve, turned into 52 weeks of shutting down the entire nation. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm, just, I'm making fun of it because literally, at some point, it's either laugh or cry. So you can sit here and cry all you want to. I'm going to choose to be positive and laugh about it. But, I mean, at some point, it's turned into insanity. I mean, at some point, as a nation and as a world, we have to forge a path moving forward, and it requires us gathering for worship. And I'm thankful for the freedoms we have as Americans that enable us the right, the freedom of worship, and to gather weekly in worship. Folks, don't take that for granted. I'm afraid that we're living in a culture today where we somehow become just numb to the fact that that is a freedom that folks If I go to China this morning, they don't have the same freedoms. If I go to Cuba this morning, they don't experience the same freedoms. There are places in India that we cannot go and preach the gospel this morning. There's places in the Middle East, many multiple countries, where they don't have the freedoms of worship that we have. And somehow we sit there and take it for granted like, well, I can take it or leave it. Whenever we were shut down for 10, 12 weeks, however long, from the middle of March all the way until June, I'll be honest, every Sunday I felt like a fish out of water. Anybody else feel that way? I was like, something's not right here. Ivan came and sat in the back of the service, back in the building. He texted me, he's like, I'm at the door, let me in. And I was like, you're not supposed to be here. We're, we're quarantining. And he would sit back in the back. He said, I'm not going to get close to anybody. He's like, I've got to be in church. I want to be a part of what God is doing. 
And folks, the reality is, as we look around us, everyone over the last year is trying to figure out how to function, how to move forward. It hasn't been an easy time, and I realize that things have been, freedoms have been taken and stripped away from us as, as Americans, then things that often can't be replaced. Many people have lost loved ones over the last 12 months, and, and my heart goes out to you. Uh, whether it be COVID-related or not, what a difficult time. My, my mom has been in the hospital, had multiple surgeries in the last 12 months, and to know that she was there alone, I'm telling you, there's something about, I remember sitting in the parking lot, I followed the ambulance to the hospital, and they said, don't follow closely, because we're going fast. And I was like, hang on, we're going to get there. And I, I get to the hospital, and I go up to the door, and they said, you can't come in. And I was like, what do you mean I can't come in? My mom's in there. Well, you can't go in there. And then the guy looks at me. He says, if you come in, you're subjecting all. This was early on when it first, everything first started happening. He said, if you come in, you're subjecting everybody in the hospital to anything you've been exposed to. And if you come in, you can't go back home when it's done. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed what do you mean if I go see my mom in person, I, I can't go home to my, my own family? And I mean, the times have been so crazy. Many people feel like they, they didn't grieve the loss of their loved ones because there was no funeral. How many families I've dealt with over the last 12 months that had zero funeral, weddings that had just immediate family present because they could not have the big gatherings. And many people feel like they're, 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 they didn't get to grieve properly. People graduated from high school. My own daughter graduated from high school. There was no pomp and circumstance. Well, I think they played the song, but she was the only one walking uh, through the gym at her school. And it's just like, parents, take a quick picture, uh, capture this moment, and hopefully we can forget all of the crazy that surrounded it. And, and I, even now, Carolina grads from last year are fussing like, well, you told us we were having a graduation, and they're not having it. And it, it, it's crazy. Many have been in the hospital and had loved ones in the hospital, weren't able to be with them. Public schools have been closed down until just recently. My oldest son has been to high school two days in the last year. Two days. Whoever thought in your lifetime we would shut down the schools for an entire year. Two days. It's completely unacceptable. And, and folks, we signed up. We would have signed up for plan A. They didn't make that available. But, but plan B, two days in the entire year. This week, the stats have come out released in North Carolina. One out of five students will not pass their grade. And the rest of them, they're just going to send them on through. What a tragedy in our nation, in our state today, that we have literally become so fearful of our own shadow and people that were once friends. Well, they're not wearing their mask covering up. I'm sorry, we have lost our way. If it comes down to, you're going to scare the living daylights out of every single person. Why? Because you're fearful? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Control your attitude, your actions. All of us have got to work on these things. And folks, anxiety and depression, I was listening to a podcast this week talking about in our schools are so off the charts. Suicide, overdoses are so off the charts, folks. Divorce is rampant. I've dealt with divorce in our own church. I've dealt with families breaking up. I'm telling you, it is so 
off the charts what's happening. And folks, the devil is having a heyday. People are paralyzed in fear, even though 99% of people are going to survive and be fine during this pandemic. There was ever a time for the church to rise up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. It is this morning, church. We can't sit back another year and watch the world go to hell and we're sitting here afraid of one another. You see what happens is you put that mask over your face and you stay home all day long and don't leave the house. You are not being a witness for Jesus Christ and making disciples of every nation and tribe and tongue. Jesus has called the church to be the change agent, the salt that, that, that sets a, a, the, a, the tone for the entire city. He's told us to be a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Folks, pa pastors everywhere are so weary right now, they're quitting by the hundreds. In fact, two Sundays ago, I watched two pastors I highly respect resign from their pulpits and walk away. Over the last three months, I've talked to more pastors who have said, confided in me on a personal level, Pastor, if I had another option right now, I'd take it. I'd leave. And you say, why is that? Because week in and week out, you're ministering to people you don't ever see. You have no idea how they're doing. When you do see them, they're so covered up, you can't tell if they're happy, if they're sad, if they're going through a deep trial, or just standing on a mountaintop celebrating. You have no clue what they're facing. It's difficult. You can't get into the hospital to visit people. You can't get to the nursing home to visit people. People don't want you coming to their house to visit them. You cannot do ministry the way we've done it. It fix all of these things. Pastors are tired. They're exhausted. They're tired of hearing all of the excuses of why we can't do life. I grew up in a world where come hell or high water, we were going to be in church. And the saying was, Lord willing, if the creek don't rise. Well, folks, it hasn't risen. We don't live near a, a, a big river, but it hasn't risen. But yet people are like, well, I guess the creek has risen. Every single Saturday night for the last 51 weeks in a row, and people are saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to chance it, Pastor. I'm just not going to chance it. Pastors are discouraged. And, folks, it, it's, it's, it's so difficult. Can I just say, this is not the time to quit. This is time to recommit. This is not the time to walk away and say, you know what? I'm just going to kind of, I've served my time. I'm, I'm walking away. No, this is not the time to quit. This is the time as the church of Jesus Christ to recommit to serving God. The devil has gotten the, the, the church exactly where he wants it, rendered absolutely useless. And, and I've got details to pack it up. What does the Bible say in regards to the devil? He says, don't give place to the devil in the book of James. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's time to say, get thee behind me, Satan. You are not going to prevail this time. Folks, let me just say, the Holy Spirit has been burning in my heart for several weeks now. And so what we're going to be looking at this morning as we dive into the Word of God is not something I just said, you know what, I think I'm going to preach on this tomorrow. No, in fact, I've been looking for every excuse not to. And folks, oh, Gary, you can tell them, uh, you will wrestle with the passage. You'll wrestle with what the Holy Spirit is 
speaking to your heart about. And then many times you'll say, no, Lord, I don't want to preach on that passage. I'm not preaching on gluttony. I'm not, I've done it before. I preached, I, I'm not going to preach on abortion. I've done it. I'm not going to preach. No, you're going to because it's God's word on the matter. And it speaks into our the truth of the matter of what we're facing as a church and as a nation. So let me say, I've personally prayed over every single family in our church. When I, when I jokingly joke with people about where you're sitting, and you moved this week. I mean, and every once in a while, sometimes you'll move from this front row over here, and you'll be over in the back corner, or you'll be in the back corner over in that other back corner, and up on the front row, and, and you move around, you're in a different spot today. <laughs> so, I mean, every week, I, I'm like, I know where people sit, and I literally many, many times have come in this worship center regularly, and I will go down every single row, and I pray over every single chair, and I know where Chevis and Megan and Carson sit. And when I get to that third, second, third row, I'm, well, now it's the third row because the second row is closed. So I'll pray. If some of you, your, your rows have been closed in the past. If you'll open that row, I'll come back to church. I'll take that off right now. I mean, get on in here. Can I get a witness? I mean, we're ready. We're tired. It's ready to worship. I'll get there and I'll pray for Carson. And, and you know why? Because I know that his parents, I, I have a personal investment in their lives as I help lead them to faith in Jesus and I baptize them. And, and folks, I, I'm baptized. I'm, I'm excited to see what I'm praying over each one of you by name. Shane, you're in a different place. Uh, you and Miss Danny sit in a different place. Y'all usually a little bit further up. And, and I'll, I'll pray over them. And I'll get to your row. You guys have moved today, too. Y'all are usually over here. And, and I'll, <laughs> you're, you're playing musical chairs on me. He said, next Sunday, not one person is going to be where they, where they normally sit. But I, I, I'm praying over you. And say, why is that? Because I love you. And those of you that aren't here in person, I still love you. And I'm still praying for you. And, I'm, and, and folks, I'm not mad at anyone. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, it's time for the church to return to church and get back in the house of God and allow the Holy Spirit of God to do a work in our midst together. I want you to know I love you. The Holy Spirit has been working on me. And I'm praying that this message would speak to the hearts of where we are right now as a church. We're embarking on 35 years next Sunday. So as we talk about next steps, everyone has a next step. Everyone has a place that they need to go in their spiritual journey. How is the church going to return to the mission of making disciples that make disciples? One step at a time. You've got to start somewhere. Yes, the last year has been unprecedented. I mentioned the world was turned upside down on its axis, but folks, it didn't matter if you've been saved for one day or 60 years, there is always room for growth in our lives. From the oldest person in the room who has taught Sunday school since their youngest memory uh, to the youngest child in the nursery this morning, there is room for growth for all of, all of us. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at our next steps on the discipleship pathway. How can we grow deeper in relationship with Jesus Christ? How come, let, let's find out where we are and folks, where we go from here. And the goal is moving toward Christ-likeness as a disciple and, and seeking to make disciples along the way. Let's look at this morning's message, worship cor corporately by gathering weekly. All right, some of you are already tuned me out and I, I can just say this, don't turn, if you're watching online, don't turn off this morning because 
Every single one of us need exactly what we're going to be dealing with this morning. So somebody said, I've already turned you off. Don't worry about that. Well, God will deal with you too. So anyway, let's look at the more worship corporately by gathering weekly. Weekly church attendance is vital for our growth as a follower of Jesus. Can I get a witness? Weekly church attendance is vital for our health and our growth as a follower of Jesus you cannot and do not get the same experience from watching online. Over the years, you know, many years ago, people wanted you to go to their house and, and, and make a home visit. And we'd go and I'd, sometimes I'd be sitting on someone's couch and, and we'd be talking about life. And then they'd say, you know what, Pastor David, I just watch America's Pastor. And, and, I, and I knew exactly who they're talking I've been to his church, Charles Stanley. I mean, in, in Atlanta. I mean, First Baptist. I mean, everybody has seen Charles Stanley online. He's a great preacher. The reality is, is when you need Charles Stanley, when you're dealing with a, 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 a death in your family, he's not going to come and preach your funeral. He's not going to come and visit you in the hospital or do counseling when you have a, a child who's run away from home or, 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 or facing difficult times. No, you need a local church. People say, I love David Jeremiah. I do too. I've got his books on my shelf. I watch his, his pod, I listen to his podcast, and I'll watch his sermons on TV. But folks, his church is in San Diego. It's, last I checked, it's a pretty far commute to get there on Sunday. So I've seen him at the PNC Arena when he's done his big rallies. That's great. But at the end of the day, I need a local church that I can plug into. Can I get a witness on that? I need a church I can go to where people know my name. I call it the cheers factor. Everybody wants to go somewhere where everyone knows my name. And so you're not going to know every single name in a church this size, but you're going to know a lot of people. You're going to know certain people. And that person is sat in that same row. Uh, the Callahans have been faithful for all of these years sitting back there and they were sitting up here now they're sitting over there they've switched on places on me too but at the end of the day faithfulness people that are praying for you that are encouraging you that are coming alongside of you and folks gathering in person cannot be substitute by watching someone on tv or, or watching online it's not a substitute and folks there were a few sundays i'm gonna be straight up honest as your pastor there was a few Sundays I was worshiping at home with my family during the pandemic because we had pre-recorded. Some of you didn't know that. But we had pre-recorded on Thursday. And on Sunday morning, I'm sitting at home in my recliner. And I'm worshiping, praising Jesus with my family at home. And I was like, man, I could get used to this. I mean, this is nice. I mean, anybody else feel that way? I mean, just one. Uh, you're in church, stop lying. I mean, the, uh, God knows your heart. There are some Sundays you're like, man, if I had an option... I'm choosing sweatpants over, you know, suit and tie all day long. I mean, I'm going I'm to take it easy. I'm going to kick back. And some of you are like, oh, Lord, we're stepping on my toes right now. But, I mean, there were some Sundays. And I, I read a thing this week. And this guy, this lady uh, woke up. And she got her husband up on Sunday morning and says, you've got to get out of bed. And he said, no, I don't want to go to church this morning. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to go. She says, You've got to. And he says, give me three reasons why I should get up and go to church. And she said, one, because God's word says that we're supposed to go. Number two, you lo love people and people there love you and they want to see you and encourage you. And number three, you're the pastor. <laughs> I mean, sometimes there are times in our lives, as a, even as a pastor, I don't want to get up and go to church. 
In fact, the only time I can think of in, in the last few years that I've not gotten up and gone to church on a Sunday morning, I woke up with a, a gallbladder attack, and I called my dad at 5.30 in the morning and said, hey, Dad, how would you like to preach today? <laughs> with like five hours notice, and he was like, what's going on? I am say, I don't know, but I have been sick all night long, and I don't feel good, and I just don't think I can, little did I know, I was having a gallbladder attack, and would later have the gallbladder removed, but folks, the reality is, is God's called us to worship corporately. Let's look at our text in John chapter 4 before I stray too far. John 4, verse 19 says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning. God, may you get our attention, and Lord, may as a church we focus on what it means to worship corporately. As we come together and gather for worship weekly. God, do a mighty work in our hearts. Lord, help us to hit that reset button. And God, whatever it is that is distracting us or keeping us from fulfilling the mission you called us to be. God, I pray that we would reset that and get back on track this morning. God, may you do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. We give you all the glory in your name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to worship. Jesus was explaining to the woman at the well what true worship was all about. She had some questions. She encountered Jesus along this journey of life. And the Pharisees would have stoned her for living in adultery. He says, you've been married four times. The person you're living with now, the number five, the fifth guy, is not even your husband. And the Pharisees would have had her stoned in Jesus' day. But folks, he called her. He took a different approach. He called her to believe in him and ultimately to worship him. She knew all about temple worship. She had grown up in a religious home, as most Jewish people had done. And the problem was there was no life change. Somewhere along the way, she had lost her way. She was religious, but she wasn't right with God. She had all of the, the, the outward appearances. The folks, he was telling her the time was, had come for her to worship God, not a religion, but the one true and living God. What he was trying to tell her is what he would say in John chapter 14, just a few chapters later, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In other words, Jesus is the only way that we can come to the Father. That day, the woman at the well came with a heart full of pain and heartache, she left with a heart full of love and, and joy and hope for her future. She met Jesus and he radically transformed her life. And folks, the reality is what took place that day, she came looking for water and she found living water. Water when she would never thirst again. And 
all the disciples could think, as you're reading this passage in more detail, and I won't read all of the verses in it, but in its context, all the disciples could think of is Jesus needs to eat. He's been preaching and teaching all day. He needs to get some food. We need some Chick-fil-A. God's chicken. He need to have, we need to have some Chick-fil-A really quick or we're going to have a, a mess on our hands and Jesus is going to have a, a, a falling out spell. All they could think of is we've got to get this lady who's living in sin to, to get away from Jesus and distract her so that he can eat a meal. And what did Jesus say? I love what he said in verse 33, all the disciples, that's all they could think of. Verse 34, he says, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. It's on the screen. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. The disciples were worried about the aesthetics they were worried about the, the, the dynamics of the, the Mary's things of this life, of trying to keep everything organized. And you can only imagine they were like a good usher who's always worried about what's going on behind the scenes. And I appreciate it. I'm thankful for them. But Jesus said, my job is to do the will of my Father. And that's to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Folks, he never lost sight of the mission, no matter what came his way. And he knew that the cross was right before him. He knew he was facing death on the cross, but he says, lift up your eyes, see the fields are white for harvest. Church, if you can't look around our world and our city and see the fields that are white for harvest, you need to pull your mask down just a little bit and look out. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that jokingly because when I wear my glasses and I've got my mask on, I can't see. I mean, it's like they fog up every single time. It's like it's one or the other. I either see or, or I have my mask on, but I can't do both at the same time. And so but what's happening is we're missing the fact that the world is dying without hope in a Savior who could radically transform their lives. Jesus says, look out on the fields. They're white for harvest. When Jesus radically transforms your life, you cannot sit idle for long. You can't sit idle on the sidelines. You want to get into the game. You, you, you've got to be a part of the action. This is the most fulfilling thing you can do as a follower of Jesus is to make disciples of every nation. And folks, because that's what he left us here to do. Church, the fields are white under harvest. I spoke on this very same text in another book uh, just the other day. What he's talking about, he said, the fields are white in the harvest. Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers. Who are the laborers, church? We are. We are the laborers in Christ's church. And verse 39, it goes on and it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of that woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Now, just pause here for a second. I'm not going to lose sight of what we're talking about. Here's a lady who had quite the reputation around town. I mean, she had been with a whole bunch of different people. And at some point, I mean, word was going to get out eventually. Here's a lady who was encountered Christ at the well. He transforms her life. She goes back into the city, the town that she lived in. And she begins to say, I met a man who told me all about everybody I've ever been with before. I guarantee you there was some men in that town going, whoop, whoop. 
<laughs> I mean, oh no. I mean, I've been with her and word's about to break. It's going to hit the fan. I mean, it, it was getting crazy around there. And all of a sudden, people started coming to faith in Jesus because her life was radically transformed. Church, if we're ever going to impact our city and our community, we've got to worship corporately by gathering weekly. We need the encouragement of the body of Christ. We need the exhortation from the scriptures. and We need the edification of the saints. We need the prayers of the brethren. We need to know that we aren't in this fight alone in church. You don't get that sitting on your couch or laying back in bed. I've told you, my kids have been doing online school for up to 12 months now. And, and when, parent, when school's saying, hey, they're so far behind us, because every single one of them is laying down in the bed with their laptop facing the ceiling. I mean, hello. I mean, what else do you think if we worked like that in your work, would you get anything accomplished? I mean, I, one day sitting home, two days last week, I was sitting here thinking, I'm pulling the rest of the hairs out of my head, thinking, how in the world are we going to keep doing this online stuff and still work a job? I mean, it's impossible to do that. But at the end of the day, here's Jesus saying, a lady who comes to faith in Christ goes back and engages her city with the gospel. Folks, I love it. I love to see what's happening. And I understand some people who in our culture are, are, are in extreme situations that they're very high risk. And you say, Pastor, I cannot get in a crowd of people. If your doctor has deemed you in that situation, you need to go with your doctor and what he's saying on that. If he's the one that is advising you on your health. But folks, the reality is this morning, the most faithful people in this church during a pandemic has been the high-risk people. Hello. The high-risk people. Those that are in the age category that you shouldn't get out in crowds. Those that have heart conditions, cancer, have gone through all kinds of other things, are the people that have deemed church as an essential in their life and they're not going to miss it, come hell or high water. They're not going to miss it. And they've said, I'm choosing to go with God and trust Him with the outcome. I'm not mad, I'm telling you. This is what God's Word says. If you have a problem with the message, take it to God. Because it's what his word says on the matter. You want to know something else? We do what's most important in our lives. Can I get a witness there? Look at your checkbook. You'll see what the most important thing is in your life. For some people, that's Target. For some, it's Amazon. Uh, but I mean, that's a car, it's a house, it's a what, uh, you name it. It's the most important thing in our lives. But folks, you, you want to, we look, we do what's most important. You could look around the building and tell we don't miss many meals. I'm right there with you. I'm not missing many meals. I just have it. Um, probably should, but have it. Uh, and why? Because we're hungry. And there's a little certain thing that, you know, 
my, my wife called her, said her granddad had it, it was called Mist Mill Colic. You know, you start getting real hangry and, and angry about 4 35 o'clock. And if you don't satisfy that, I mean, it's going to be hard to be around you. I mean, it's just going to be that's the way it is. But we're not going to miss many meals because it's important to us. The reality is, we're missing everything else. But folks, we're, my, we're, we're doing what's important. We go to work. Why is that? Because you got to get a paycheck. So you can eat. <laughs> Let's just get real. Your kids are going to have to go to school. Are they going to be dumb as dirt? I mean, it just, it's that essential. You're going to go to the doctor because you're going to die if you don't. Are you going to take the medicine or you're going to die? The, the, uh, kids are going to go back to school hopefully soon. I mean, uh, they're so educationally anemic. They're on life support right now, and we're praying our kids just pass. The, the only way they're going to pass is to write their AOGs is to cancel them and just write COVID on the whole year, and just they're all gone. I mean, that's the only way to go pass it. Uh, but people are going to the mall. They're going out to eat. They're playing sports. They're going to parks. They're going to sporting events. Last night I was sitting here. I was so excited to see fans in the stands at the Carolina Duke game. Go Heels. Uh, I was so excited to see all that, and I'm thinking to myself, you can start buying hurricanes tickets I just heard this week I mean every single thing Walmart didn't shut down Costco didn't shut down Home Depot didn't shut down why in heaven's name is the church the one place that people are afraid to go it's God's house we're still practicing safety protocols social distancing encouraging people to wear a mask Everything is touchless. We're not serving coffee or donuts. Our volunteers are all wearing masks. We're, and people are still terrified to attend in person. I'm sorry you can hear a pin drop in this building. But folks, the reality is it's true. And what I'm saying is the gospel truth. The average church in America is now running 40% of what they were one year ago. 40%. With social distancing practices in place, only 40% have returned. At what point or what we are doing, when we're doing everything else, are people going to return to worship in person? I'm going to be careful because I don't want to offend you, but I'm going to be honest with you. What's happening is, we're going to, if we're not careful, at the one-year mark, we are so far missing out of church it's going to be very challenging to ever get back to being a faithful, committed, weekly church member. Can I get a witness in, I'm to, in the house? I'm thankful because uh, the reality is, is over 40% have uh, reoccurred, and probably about 70% have been back at some point. But folks, the reality is numbers are as low as they've ever been. We've taken all the safety precautions. We have not had one single case spread here in the church. Not one. The preschool's been open since May the 1st. Not one single case spread in preschool. All of our church staff that wants the shot has already gotten the first one. I've already had my second one. All our preschool staff has had it. Folks, we're not saying that it doesn't exist. We're taking the precautions. The reality is, is we've got to have faith and trust God through this pandemic if we're ever going to get on the other side. I'm the messenger. Don't get mad at me. And folks, if we give place to the devil, he's won the battle. It's time to get back. And then secondly, corporate worship is not optional. Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to 
Hone in. We've got like eight minutes. I'm going to finish. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, since we've had a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, with our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Take, take a snapshot of this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. For the child of God, weekly corporate worship is not optional. There is no optional clause in case of a pandemic. No, that's not the case. In fact, it's all the much more as you see the day approaching of Jesus Christ. Any way you dice it, you can't get the same experience on your couch. I've done my best to stay connected with the half the church that's not attending in the building regularly, but at some point, you have to make a decision. We're going back to church. We're going to go back to church. We're going to trust God with this. You cannot stir one another for, to love and good works and not ever see the person. You can't encourage someone when they're going through a difficult time. If you never see them, you don't know what they're facing. You cannot meet together uh, with people who won't leave their houses. Uh, and I might make in light of the virus. I, I, like I said, I've already had my second shot. I know a pastor who died of the virus. His wife and daughter were back in church the very next Sunday. He didn't catch it at church. They were back in church the very next Sunday. You know him, Ken Harris. He's, I spent time with him in Israel. He had a lot of other health conditions. And it was his second bout with COVID. But you know what? He trusted God. And even right up before he got really sick the second time, he was back preaching every single Sunday in church himself. And he was doing his part to expand the kingdom of God. I watch what his family has gone through. But you know, the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die. Every single one of us have a meeting with God, our creator. And folks, I'm not going to happen one second before my time comes. Not one second before my time comes. It could happen driving out of the parking lot today. And you know what? If it does, I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven one second before God is ready for me. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I understand taking precautions, but corporate worship is not an option for the believer. In fact, in these perilous times, we need it more than ever. In fact, the rest of us that are here every week are ready for the rest of the church to come back. We, we love you. We're not the same without you. We're stronger because of you. We need you. No one's mad at you. Uh, we want God's best for you. And we're, got, we're not going to reach our city without you. We need you. We're stronger together. Say, Pastor, what's the application? Several months ago, we surveyed our entire church on the pathway to return to church. Many said that they're waiting on kids to start back to school. They have. Many said they're waiting on children's ministry to resume at church. It has. 
Many said they were waiting on the numbers to go down. They have. Some said they're waiting on the vaccine. It's here. There's three of them now. And yesterday, the president said every adult that wants it can get it. It's going to be available by the end of May. All right, it's here. It's time to return to church. You say, I would, folks, I'll tell you this. You're welcome. There's no judgment. I realize it's crazy. And so there's no judge. No one, I don't have any person in mind. I'm just saying, as a whole, the church has got to gather back. You're needed. You're loved. And I would tell you, we'd welcome you with open arms, but it'd scare you back off. You wouldn't come back to church for another year. So we won't do that. Not yet. We'll give it some time. But eventually, I'm going to give you a hug, and I'm going to love on you. Why? Because I miss you. I care about you. The people that sit around you care about you. The people of God want to see you and, and, and encourage you. The whole thing is polarized. But folks, God is bigger than that. Let's place our faith and trust in God and His ability to protect us and move forward together. And, and folks, if you're mad at me, call me. Don't post it on Facebook. Call me. I'll buy you lunch. I'll listen to you. I'll love on you. And I'll learn from you. And at the end of the day, let's move forward together and let's allow the Holy Spirit of God. The struggles of this past year with families splitting up with depression, anxiety, fear, loss of life, it's been difficult. But folks, it's time to encourage one another to good works, to love. Next Sunday is our church's 35th birthday celebration. It's a great day to come home. We've called it homecoming and for ages it was called homecoming all the that's the Sunday everybody comes back we'll go ahead and put it on your calendar March the 14th we're gonna have tons of extra chairs set out and and if we need to broadcast it in the lobby we'll do that or outside if you have to do that it's time to return to church it's time to give come join your church family as we celebrate the faithfulness of God over the last 35 years but as we talk about the vision for the next 35 years what God is going to do in our church after the service we have food trucks set up it's supposed to be 63 and sunny next Sunday in the parking lot you can social distance to your heart's content you can enjoy barbecue that was on the Netflix barbecue uh, round off whatever it was called uh, the, the um, Mexican trucks gonna be here as well uh, I think I get their name right now they live in my neighborhood but uh, all of, they're gonna be, all be here serving great food after the service and fellowship with the church family be a part of the celebration let's worship corporately by gathering weekly Heavenly Father speak to our hearts Lord, this, this message is for the church body as a whole. As a pastor, you've given me a, a, a job and a calling as a shepherd. And Lord, part of that job as a shepherd is to lovingly correct and, and rally the troops. Just as a coach is going to call a, a team huddle and they're going to correct any behavior that's keeping them from winning on the team. Lord, the, the, the job of the pastor is, is, a, is a role of, of shepherding. And the shepherd often corrects the sheep, but it's for their own good. And it's for the good of the body as a whole. And God, I pray, Lord, this morning you would do a mighty work in our church life. God, I pray that the devil would not rob us of a single other second of serving in this life. God, we want to be effective as, as witnesses 
of, of the life-changing power of the gospel. And God, I pray this morning that you would rally our hearts together and unite us in our mission to go make disciples of every nation. God, may you do such a mighty work in our midst this morning that you would be glorified, you would be exalted, and Lord, your name would be made supreme. Do a mighty work in our lives. Lord, may we as we gather next week for worship, Lord, I pray the church family would come together. Maybe like unlike any other time in, in previous history, to gather and to give thanks for your faithfulness, that God did exalt you the gospel from the mountaintops. God, I know that the vision you've given us here at Calvary is, is one of seeing the lost of our city as fields that are white at the harvest. God, you, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that they might know you. Lord, we are one month away from Easter Sunday, the, the Super Bowl of the church year. God, may you do such a work in our hearts and lives, Lord, this morning. I pray as we leave this week, we begin to invite people for Easter Sunday worship. God, I pray over the course of the next three or four weeks, where people will begin to have gospel conversations with friends and inviting them to Easter Sunday worship and God that you would fill the building to overflowing and God that you would transform lives in our city and our community with the gospel Lord in such a fashion Lord that we can't take credit for any of it that God the Holy Spirit of, of God is transforming our city with mercy. God do a mighty work Lord I'm excited to see all of those balls that are going into the display in the lobby of all the people that have been invited to Easter Sunday, and then to see all of the orange balls coming in as people start accepting Christ as Savior, and Lord, life change begins to take place in our city. God, do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. Be careful to give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Let's stand to our feet. As we sing this final song, God is speaking to your heart. Do business with Him right now.
always exciting to celebrate with those that are taking their next step. So speaking of next steps, uh, what an exciting time. And uh, I love baptism. I've spoken on baptism many times, and this is like a hot tub, so Ben's not, he's not freezing this morning. And my wife said, you're doing this outside? I'm like, no, <laughs> but we're doing it inside, and it's like a hot tub in there. So uh, anyway, I love baptism. It is not uh, the moment that a person, you don't get saved because you've gone through the baptismal waters, but you go through the baptismal waters because you have been saved. And it's an outward sign of an inward change. And um, this is uh, Ben Fish. Ben has, uh, Ben, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amen. Ben, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. His wife, Lee, uh, came and uh, joined last Sunday in our church, and uh, we celebrate him taking that next step in his relationship with the Lord and what God is doing in his life. And uh, if you are interested, we have another, uh, our next baptism is the Sunday after Easter Sunday, which is April the 11th, and we are excited about that and uh, celebrating with them and uh, what God is doing uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, we have uh, Dick and Carolyn over here that also uh, have joined the church as well. And uh, their uh, granddaughter, uh, Eden, is going to be getting baptized here shortly. And let's welcome them to our church family as well. Appreciate uh, They are also in that class. I said last week I didn't get a chance to mention them, but I did have a chance to talk with them. But uh, they are uh, joining as well in our church family. And we're excited to welcome them to Calvary and uh, excited about the future of what God is going to do. Uh, in our church, and uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, uh, Lee is expect, they're expecting their uh, first child uh, here in just a few weeks. Uh, we're excited to celebrate with them. Uh, we have had, over the last year, we have a whole host of new babies. In fact, on Mother's Day uh, is our parent-child dedication. What, when's your due date? April 28th, so hopefully, uh, maybe by then, uh, but Mother's Day in May, uh, second Sunday of May is our uh, parent-child dedication Sunday, and if you have had a baby or if you are new to the church and have never dedicated your child uh, to the Lord, uh, that does not save a child, uh, but it is a, a responsibility on the part of the parents as we're saying, Lord, this child is a gift from God, and we're in we're giving them back to you. But while they're in our care, we're going to seek to teach them and train them in the ways of God and bring them up in the church so that at an uh, early age, whenever the Holy Spirit of God speaks to them and shows them their need of a Savior, that they will come to faith in Christ. Uh, and we're excited to be uh, along with you on that journey. And uh, no church family, that we love you. I love you uh, as your pastor. Uh, I am not mad at anybody. Uh, in fact, I don't have that bone in my body. Uh, I'm not a, a person like that. But uh, please don't leave here this morning or turn off uh, the, the live stream this morning and be mad or, or offended in any way. Uh, it's a call for the church to come back home. And it's an opportunity for us to regather. So everybody here that's in the building, you better get here early next week because you're not going to find a seat. It's going to be full. Uh, and people are coming back to church. Uh, people are getting those vaccines. And uh, 
whatever it takes, if that's holding you back, get your daggone that vaccine and get your tail in church, all right? Uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to tell it like my mom would tell me, like my dad would tell me, it's time for church, all right? And, uh, and yeah, I am wearing a Carolina jersey, gift of a family in the church. They had it made with my name on the back of it and my, my birth year. Uh, but uh, anyway, they wanted me to be ready for the next, you know, opportunity to wear it like this. But anyway, we're excited. I love you, church family. Looking forward to this week. Um, John?